Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? This is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have two amazing marketing geniuses with me today. Thanks, guys, for taking the time to jam with me. I have Mr. Dane Seville and the one and only Paul J. Daly. Um, hey, guys, for everybody out there that's watching, listening right now, and kind of don't know those amazing origin stories you guys have. If we can start off with a couple origin stories, that'd be really cool. Dane, how did you get into this industry we call the automotive industry? Mine was actually a lot more indirect and meandering. I don't know how I actually landed in, in this industry. High school English teacher, uh, Department of Defense, communication specialist, uh, advertising uh, uh, executive. Then I got into uh, uh, 33 store group in Raleigh, North Carolina, worked in their marketing department with our CEO, Dave Sponicky, who's the CEO of Reunion Marketing. He was our marketing director, had my tenure there, went to another ad agency working with automotive retail and then helped uh, form Reunion Marketing. So, and then a little bit of a smattering of professional wrestling here and there, but uh, sort of unrelated to, to the discussion, but yeah. I love so how I, you just kind of throw like that in there. Like, oh, it's by totally the way. Related. It's you know, totally just for anybody that's listening, uh, you know, I, I did this, I was a school teacher and <laughs> I did some professional wrestling. Like that's uh, very nonchalant. Thanks for doing hey, that. Thing. Didn't know, didn't know. <laughs> so, okay. So then, okay. So you did the professional wrestling, then how do you get into automotive? What, what was that? So that, that? That was with that transition. When I got out of, uh, uh, the DOD was with that 33 store group in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. So, uh, five of the seven, uh, co, uh, co-owners of Renew Marketing, we all worked together at that 33 store group. I uh, had about between varying degrees of five to 10 years working together at that group uh, before some of us parted ways and then reunited again for reunion marketing. And that's sort of where that name comes from. So you got bit by the bug. Now you're in it. Now I'm in it. That's how the industry works, man. It's straight up mafia. You get sucked in and you're stuck. Right. Paul, you got sucked into this. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your origin story, man. How did you uh, get into the automotive industry? Yeah, sure. So um, thanks for having me, first of all. When um, I got out of, uh, I moved to Syracuse, upstate New York, born and bred in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, best city in the country or maybe the world. Um, and so I, I ended up going into a dealership because I needed a job. I'd never been in a dealership my entire life. Uh, my family always bought, you know, $200 Volkswagens off the side of the road. Uh, somebody who went to my church was actually a dealer principal of a small Chevy dealer. And I walked in there and he gave me a job as a service advisor. And I said, I don't know anything about cars. And he said, I need people that know about people. I have technicians that know about cars. So uh, that was my first stint in the dealership. I had no idea how it worked. And so I learned and uh, did a very long stint in the service department, probably four months uh, before I saw somebody uh, pushing dents out of a car, out of a used car. And I said, well, that looks interesting. And um, I wanted to start my own business. I don't, I honestly don't even know what, what got that, what, why that got into me, but I wanted more flexibility and I wanted actually to something I could use to serve the church and not take a paycheck. So I had a friend who was repairing wheels in Maryland and I went and saw what he was doing. I said, I think I can do that. 
And the dealer principal said, you know what? I think you'll do a great job at that. He got me a $400 van off the wholesale line, a Chevy Astro. And uh, I just started making mistakes. So over the, from 2000, 2003, from 2003 until um, 2018, I built an automotive reconditioning company that serviced about 150 dealers and dealer groups across the Northeast. Meanwhile, I started learning about the industry uh, so that I can help dealers with their overarching problems. The reconditioning company was acquired in 2018. And the creative agency I had been incubating within that company then became my uh, main gig. And ever since then, um, I just like hanging around dealers. The car industry, I think it's one of the best industries in the world. And uh, it's full of some of the very, very best people in the world. It's the very best people and the most interesting people in the world, right? Like, I mean, seriously, you, Often, you go to these yeah. conferences, like um, we're, I consider us to be the island of misfit toys. Yep. Like there's, there's a little bit of everything. <laughs> Right. Um, hey, guys, I want to kick off our conversation today of just kind of asking you, you know, during everything that's going on, you know, let's let's kind of create a kind of a baseline of what a current norm, you know, looks like for you guys from being a marketing agency. And then I'd like to kind of progress the conversation into kind of how you guys see the new norm is going to develop and how that's going to change the way that we market and assist dealerships in their marketing efforts. Dane, I'm going to start with you, man. What, what what's the current norm for you? Yeah, you know, it's really, you know, it actually directly lines with you. We were just talking about a few minutes ago, you talked about process first. And that really is, it's about, it's about considering the safety measures being taken to, uh, you know, we always talk about digital marketing with reunion marketing. We always talk about be found where demand exists, align your content with consumer intent. We got to align your content with consumer needs and consumer concerns as well. And I think that's a lesson to be taken away from as well is that, I mean, the big messaging that we're putting out there is, you know, are, you know, do you have uh, at-home test drives? You know, what to what degree do you do digital retailing? What are the safety measures that your your technicians are taking, your salespeople are taking? What processes do you have in the dealership to help ensure that your your consumers are 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 taken care of and their their well-being uh, being a first priority? That's awesome. And I think for a lot of us, that is the case, right? It's like, how do we tell that creative story? And then also, I find it, I'm kind of curious if you, you guys are running into this too, is also, I, I've been doing a lot more consulting with dealerships and trying to figure out, you know, exactly how they communicate this process, you know, you know, as an industry, we're not well known for overly communicating. <laughs> like it's, you know, we focus on a singular message of big discounts and huge savings and come on in and you'll find out what my sales process is. Um, so, Paul, for yourself, like what, what does the current norm look like for you? Uh, the court, current norm uh, really just looks like constant, you know, breakfast cereal of change. Um, every day, you know, it's, it's funny, like, uh, even like making any content or putting out content or making decisions at dealerships for what we're going to make and release the time frame in which you have to make and release is sped up exponentially. You know, three weeks ago, you can make a really heartfelt, we're in this together video and people are like, oh, that's really nice. Two weeks ago, you could make a heartfelt, we're in this together video and people would be like, okay, if you make one and release it this week, everyone's going to be like, yeah, right. We are next you know so i think that staying in front of that is really um what we've been trying to do every day like just what is the situation now and we have to make content and messaging for now because and now it used to mean like this year this quarter maybe seasonally but now it's like this week and so um that that really is is kind of been our our approach 
and our just recalibration internally. That's just like, Hey, every process that we had to make something in concept it and storyboard it and write it and vet it, edit it, release it and all that stuff. Like we have to throw that process, unfortunately, <laughs> or maybe fortunately, I don't know. Uh, we have to reinvent it completely and, and be ready to just fire for like what you were just saying, Dane, like what are the needs and concerns of the consumer? Now, I, I have a question for you guys real quick, because um, I find it for me right now, at least up here where I'm at in Canada, um, close to Toronto, it's kind of a 50-50 split between dealerships that have just full-fledged shut down any marketing efforts of any kind, and then some that are and then others that are just running just, let's say, really minimal you know, marketing efforts, you know, and almost like they have like no expectations. Like I, I feel like dealerships right now are like, okay, yeah, I'll run a little bit of this. And they seem so, I don't know, deflated. They're just, they're, they're just nothing there. They just don't seem like there's a lot of opportunity and it's like, okay, well, I guess I should put something out there. How is it for you guys where you are right now? Are, are dealerships actively in market with messaging or are they sticking their heads in the sand? Dane, I'll start with you. Uh, for the most part, they're they're sticking to it. I mean, you know, we're we're doing what we can financially to help dealers out. I mean, I, I sort of being like the face of reunion, I kind of insulate myself from the financials, so I can't speak to exactly everything that we're doing, and I never be involved in that. But I know we're doing what we can for dealers. But fortunately, the vast majority have understood that that you know what we offer with SEO, social media, like that's a long term game. Like you just don't turn on and off SEO. You just, I mean, you can't technically turn on and off your paid search. But then you lose ground. I mean, you, you know, you think about, you know, your third party sites are not just completely abandoning their paid search efforts. You're still seeing auto trader and car gurus showing up in, the, in those positions. So by and large, dealers, though, wanting to understand how to best allocate their investment, even during times of cutting it, by and large, they have continued to invest in that with that. What I feel like we've done a good job of, of communicating the why behind the strategy and the tactics and then the why behind continuing to implement that. That's cool. Paul, for yourself, you know, how is it with, uh, you know, the clients you're working with right now? Are they, are they still pretty active? Are, have, they have they kind of stepped back and just kind of paused efforts? What does it look like for you? Yeah, we've had a really, um, a really wide range of responses. Um, you know, uh, you know, some clients, every client has absolutely decimated their traditional spend, any traditional spend that was left or their um, that got brought to zero or very much near zero almost immediately um, on all fronts. Now, as far as the level at which people are leaning in on their digital spend really varies. We've gone everywhere from, you know, like 75% uh, cuts to an increase. So it's, you know, we, it's, you know, and, and, um, you know, we've actually signed several new clients during the course of the pandemic, because as you know, like our agency takes a brand first approach where we try to preach brand, build brand first before we release content. Uh, we've definitely come up with an abridged version of that so we can get to market faster. But what we've definitely seen is, um, I, I would say on average, there, there's definitely a hesitancy. Um, just because it's hard to capitalize on it right now. But a lot of our clients already understand the value, very similar to what Dane just said, is, is that you know the strategies and the angle that Reunion takes are really holistic long-term strategies, um, just like any good financial investment advisor um, will tell you. And if you have a good financial advisor, you've already been trained for this time, right? That you're not freaking out. You understand that when things take a dip, is like a great time to lean in and continue with your strategy because this is where the market share is to be had. 
and coming out of this, um, look, there's no doubt that the, the, the size of sales and the size of the industry is going to contract somewhat, but that doesn't mean that a dealer has to sell less cars. They just have to gain market share. So, um, yeah, we've really seen a whole gamut. And, you know, if it was, uh, if I had, if I had full control of the clients and I don't, right. Cause everybody makes decisions based on their personal situation. So it's easy to come in from the marketing angle and be like, look, there's so much opportunity, Right. If you, your, your dollar is going to go a lot further, you make more of an impact. And when we come out of this, you'll be positioned much better. But there's dealers have to fight such a variety of not only like practical issues, like I'm not open, I'm closed. Look, uh, you know, my budget is getting destroyed. I'm operating at 10% of my revenue projection. Or let's not forget the emotional impact of like, I have to furlough people that I really care about. Um, right. Everybody has a different crisis personality. So, um, it's easy from a marketing, you know, like to come in and pontificate on why you should start spending or keep spending. Um, but trying to be sensitive to all of that and, you know, take it all the way back and answer your original question, just a complete variety from dealers who are spending fresh money to start building a brand and start executing to a strategy and dealers who had a really great one going and have said like, we're closed, we're scaling way back. Yeah, well, we, we've also seen just just to kind of piggyback off of Paul there. We've also seen it depends on the, what the governor was doing, what the state had decided. I mean, think New York sales were not an essential service as of what three weeks ago. Yep. So it's varying degrees of you know, and even people that 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 had to reduce or cancel services, they understand that when they can come back, they will. And I'm sure uh, mm -hmm. Paul has experienced a lot of the same sort of feedback. Mm -hmm. So it also that variance of you know what what does the state government what did they deemed as essential services and sort of what other parameters or restrictions were placed upon them. So for sure, uh, definitely a very, uh, yeah. Pennsylvania just opened for sales and essential service just a couple of days ago. Yeah. And right today is a, you know, yeah. No, I think, I think what it is is for a lot of us is we're just trying to figure this out and you know, things are changing. <laughs> things are changing daily in some cases, depending on where you where you live, you know, but I think for a lot of the dealerships out there that may be listening or watching to this right now, and you know, they agree with us, that they, they do need to be in market, like they, they agree that we, you know, we shouldn't be totally silent, that there is an opportunity, uh, both for the maybe small percentage of in market shoppers that do exist right now, but also the opportunity to your point, Paul, uh, building brand, and you know, and be in coming into or coming out of this into a place that's way better off than when we started, you know, I think a lot of dealerships out there are going, well, like, what do I put out there? Like, like, what message? Like, how should I communicate this? And you know, at what frequency and what cost? So maybe let's do this. Um, I'll start with you, Dane. All right, you know, for a dealership out there, you know, that's that's in that boat. You know, they're 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 thirty forty percent down in revenue, but this, they're still doing stuff. Like, I mean, they are still selling cars. They are still servicing cars, and they're like, yeah, I, I need to I need to be back in market with some messaging. All right, what would you recommend that they go to market right now with a message? What message do you, would that look like? I mean, the message would just be, you know, we're still in business. We're still here. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of people are uncertain in terms of even, you know, really, I mean, if you think about it, even whenever the governor gives a message, no one really, really, truly receives the message, right? And then, of course, there's so many conflicting messages on social media. I mean, imagine, I mean, just think of all the different debunked things happening that people share and hear without really investigating. So I think it's a matter of being at the forefront of understanding, and I've seen a lot of dealers, especially in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, advocating on behalf for dealerships uh, with our governor, you know, dealerships being like, listen, like being in those places, like be found where demand exists. There are very efficient channels like Facebook, you know, social media, programmatic media, where you can still get that reach, that large reach 
that that traditional had traditionally gotten and at a very cost efficient way be able to reach those that number of people to stimulate uh interest and get you know kind of push them in market and really just focusing on yes here are the facts we're open here's here's you know like i said the messaging of like here's your safety here's what we're doing to meet you where you're at so it's really Dude, just a isn't that of crazy like i mean think about that for a second for all three of us would you ever thought that you would actually be asked to run a campaign that just simply says we're open. <laughs> like like right. in my wildest dream, I would never have, uh, you know, think of a dealership reaching out and say, hey, Jay, can you run a series of ads uh, for me just to let people know that we're actually open? <laughs> like mm. that's just always assumed. Hey, Paul, for yourself, you know, um, you know, a dealership that's trying to get back into market, you know, what kind of message would you recommend, you know, that they put out there? Or maybe what mediums would you say they'd even start off with? Uh, you know, I think the most important thing right now, um, open, open is one, but that's going to become more normal. Um, you know, so that's again, back to our conversation, like that's important now, it probably won't be important next week. Um, I, I think that competence is probably way up on the list before. And when I say competence, I mean, able to safely transact in a way that the consumer feels comfortable. Um, I think that that's not a difficult thing to communicate, but I definitely think that is an absolute essential uh, thing to communicate. So showing your safety procedures, letting people know, because you just don't know where people are. Everyone is at a different spot and how worried they are about you know getting sick. Uh, me personally, I'm not a big, you know, I'm not really worried about getting sick. I'm convinced I've probably already had it um, at some point, but also somebody that's like me naturally might live with their parents who might have a health, you know, and you just never know. So some people are very concerned, like, Hey, if I make a mistake here, like somebody I love could die. So, and we have that whole gamut from like, can't we just open this place back up to like, let's be really careful. So I think right first and foremost, just competence. It's not hard to do. You could do it on your phone. Um, but people really know it was well thought through. And even though other people are going to start saying it too. So you're, you're saying, Paul, we should do a video. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah. We, so, we can't, we can't just say it. We have to physically show. You could, you could do it, right? pictures. I think it's got to be visual um, to an extent, but you have to show it. And I think just people will have to understand that you have a process that you're really serious about it. Um, and then people can feel better about, you know, shopping. That's no, almost like I'm with you on that. Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm thinking I was, can we kind of talk this earlier off camera, right? Before we kind of started here is that we had to lead with the process before we can even talk about any type of offer. Dane, you had something you wanted to add to that. No, I was going to say, it goes back to what Paul was saying earlier about even internally, his processes at his company having to quickly pivot and adapt. The message is going to have to be quickly pivoted and adapted to, like you said, the open aspect of that, you know, in the coming weeks, depending on state, it could be for some states, it could be next week, two weeks, three weeks. You're going to have to be agile and adapt to your conditions within your market and your state to understand, okay, what is the message that makes the most sense for my dealership certain, uh, you know, that's actually a really good point. I mean, you think about it, you know, typically as a creative agency, you know, when we're developing on a message, you know, we typically look at these messages having a shelf life of a bare bones minimum of a 30 day period, right? Now we're talking about messaging and creative that may only have a shelf life of a few days or possibly a week before we're switching it up again. Sure. So, you know, it's like people are asking me like, how is things going for me? Like, am I busy? I'm like, well, you know, me personally, yeah, I'm on the phone all the time. But, you know, my, my, my creative team is 
insanely busy because, you know, we're not creating, you know, a singular set of campaigns for a dealership. We're having to create almost campaigns on a weekly basis to update the creative so that that message is out there. You know, now talking about message, you know, um, moving into what I'm calling this new norm. And I don't know if it's the right term, if I'm using it right, you know, but I, I look, I look at it this way is that we're going to come out of this. We're not just going to go back to business as usual. You know, just because this was not, this is different than how the recession was, you know, and I was in the business during the recession and that was, that, that was more of an economics thing. And it happened over a period of time, not like that. <laughs> you know, this is more of a social impact of how we actually engage with others and how we're choosing to engage with businesses, which is fundamentally just an entirely different process, an entirely different message than we've ever crafted in the past. So I want to hear your guys' thoughts as far as marketing message, right? Coming out of this, how do you see this new norm is going to be for, you know, for the marketing side of our business? Dane, I'll start with you. Yeah. You know, I think it'll be a, a large push on uh, what, to what degree they can do, can perform digital retailing. I think, I think by and large, a lot of people are going to I mean, there's still always going to be that human, my opinion is there will always be that human element to dealership. So I don't think it would ever be just completely like, you know, an AI truck drops off your car and there's never a person you ever see or, you know, get involved mm -hmm. with. I mean, this is a, this is a people business. And that's just my opinion. People can agree, disagree. But I think the degree to which that you can convenience the consumer, the at-home test drives, you know, getting through, you know, different paperwork or pieces or elements of it that normally keep people in the dealership for what, five hours? I mean, I just recently bought a car three weeks ago and I got there at noon and I didn't leave until 8 p.m. Oh, no, I'm not saying that's man, the norm. That's I'm not saying, see, clearly that's not the norm, but it was just, it was, it was just insanity. And it was, and part of that was because I think they weren't prepared because that's whenever there's the uncertainty of if North Carolina was going to be locked down uncertainty of staff. I mean, there was just a lot of, a lot of things they were dealing with. Doesn't excuse that much time. And Dane introduced himself to every single person. In I literally, dealership. I literally met about everyone in the dealership, <laughs> including the tech that cleaned the car right before they brought it back. Yes. I met everybody. I mean, I was just everywhere. Um, so, I mean, that's outside of the norm, but I think, I think, uh, I think there will be a matter of, there's going to be a lot more push towards different aspects to make the path to purchase available online and, and reduce the amount of time that they either have to be in your dealership, even if even at all, if the paperwork even gets any paperwork that needs to be signed at the home. I just think, can, again, be found where demand exists. If demand's at home, then you take the car to the home. Now, for yourself, Paul, how do you kind of see, you know, that marketing message? You know, look, at some point in time, our governments are going to say that we can pop our head out of our caves. And that we can start exploring and we can go out and do some stuff, you know, and um, it's it's not going to be like a light switch turn on. Uh, at least I don't think it will be, you know, yeah, um, right. but, you know, they're, they're definitely the, the message that we put into market at that time is going to be, I think, considerably different than what we've ever have in the past. How do you kind of see that playing out? I think that it's going to roll out in phases, like you said, like the faucet was closed and now it's being opened a little bit at a time. Um you know, in commerce, and then it's going to be socially, and no one has any idea what that's actually going to look like. So I think the first phase is going to be like we always talk about, we're open, we're safe. Um, now we can transact in a way that is favorable to you, whatever that is. Um, and obviously digital retailing and following the path of purchase, the more you can do online reduces the friction in that when being together is a major, you know, exaggerated point of friction right now. So I think that that's, that's just going to play its way out really when the shift is going to happen 
when we have those table stakes things out and everybody has them now, um, that's going to be a pretty compressed period of time and everyone's got to rush to get out there and say, Hey, we're open. We're open. We can transact like this. We can transact like that. I don't think it's going to be too long though, but coming right out of that, well, we're going to be right back at the same challenge we had, you know, when life was just going on as normal is like, well, what are the real differentiators? Right. And why am I going to choose you versus you? Which is where I always fall back to like, your brand has to mean something like you have to have a unique selling proposition that people understand and connect with in order to pick you who are open and are safe and can digital retail over the other guy who's open and is safe and can digital retail. So that's, we're going to get there. Is that going to be a three month process, a six month process before we're back to that same necessity for differentiation? Um, I don't know how long that's going to play out. I know we're going to get back to that, but in the interim, we have to follow that. Like we're open, we're safe, we're ready to transact on your terms, right? That's going to be the first people to that are going to just like the first people to anyone in car business are going to get a little advantage by being first. I think the key statement you kind of said there's on your terms. Mm-hmm. Like as an industry, we have not successfully played that game. You know, we, we, we've always, we're the ones that have always wanted to hold on to, you know, how someone ultimately buys or shops for a car. You know, we very seldomly have ever wanted to give kind of control of the steering of the process over to the customer. And, and Paul, I think to your point, you know, the dealerships that are going to be successful right out of the gate are the ones that are going to come out and straight up say, hey, we're flexible. How do you want to do this? You know, like we don't have um, only three ways to do business with us. We have 14 different ways you can do business with us. What what way is most comfortable to you? You know, so with that said, you know, how does that how does that look for us as far as, you know, uh, marketing? Like, like, do we market 14 different processes? Is it the you know, do we market more of the message of brand and less the message of product? What are you guys thoughts? I have a couple of quick thoughts on that. Number one, 14 is too many. <laughs> you just pulled out um, a random number, man. No, no, no. <laughs> I think, I think that, I think that we need to have options though, for sure. Um, I, th- I think three, like, I think we need to give a consumer confidence that we know what we're doing because most people don't feel like they know what they're doing right now. So um, I think that having a couple options, two or three to really define processes. So whatever people are comfortable with, I think we could probably get clever in the reunion. This is something you guys are great at really segmenting out um, your buyers, right? And each buyer is going, if you can identify the segment, you can really speak to, I mean, this is kind of branding 101 too. Like if you can segment user data to get great insights and in how people are thinking, reacting and behaving, well then on the brand side, you can start to create messaging and content that really connects with them on how they're already thinking. So, I mean, maybe that's kind of a little bit more like advanced class. You have to be really thinking through that to get there. But back, I I think options and letting the customer know that you've thought it through and presenting them with at least enough options that they can pick from, you know, good, better, best for them. Because good, good, better, best is going to look different for everybody. You know, best for one person might be you show up, like the AI person drops it off and don't have to see (laughs) <laughs> but but still best for somebody else might be like, look, I still want to come in and see a human when I sign the paperwork and know that I'm good, like my car's insured and the plate's on and all that. Yeah, uh, and to know, the point, we got to be flexible, right? Dane? A, a large degree of what I think you'll be able to determine that segmentation, those buckets is, you know, what, what search trends and behavior will be happening as we come out of this? What are consumers going to be looking for? Yeah. What are the queries they're entering? What are the, you know, what are the, what are the variety of searches they're going to be conducting? And then I think you could like, you know, if you see a lot of, a whole lot, like a large spike in volume about 
you know, trade in my vehicle or trade in process or trade in, you know, or if consumers are asking about trade in, you go, okay, let's create a message around this and, and let's, let's capitalize on what the dealership does to help the trade in process be frictionless and smooth and easy. And maybe that's the degree to which in your specific dealerships market based on what you see, that's where the message you push. Or maybe people just, you know, are looking for like, uh, you know, full online purchase, purchase car online. And like, then you go, okay, this, this, in my market, people in a large volume are searching for a full online process. So then you kind of cultivate that message around that. So I don't want to segment it out now. Uh, it would be, you know, I think you'd have those options like Paul was referring to, but it kind of like, it would be dictated based on your own markets, consumers. Yeah, really, really, Dane. I mean, you're just talking about like, you're being insight driven, right? Gleaning the insights from the consumer behavior and delivering to that. Well, talking about segment, I got, I want to throw something at you guys and see if you agree with me or you, if you don't, that's cool too. Like I, I, either way, it's cool. Um, you know, I was talking to a neighbor of mine the other day who, um, you know, owns a very old car. It's a weekend car because both him and his wife, all right, take the train into Toronto and then back every single day. Cause the station's just down the street from us. So they don't, they've never had, they've never had the need for actually having a, a new vehicle. I was asking him the other day as I was taking the trash out on, from the other side of the street, yelling it out, you know, but, um, you know, I asked him, are you, you going to go back and take the train? He's like, hell no, I'm not getting back on that thing. You know, I mean, he, he, he's wow. going to have to go back to work, you know, but he has no intention of taking public transit. And I got thinking about that. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of people in our market area that rely regularly on public transit. Transit. And I think a large portion of them are going to choose not to do that right out of the gate. And that's a segment of, of in-market shoppers that we've never had before. And I think there's an opportunity, but you know, what kind of message, you know, what, what kind of advice would you do to, to create a message for that specific market? I'll start with you, Paul. Um, I would say, yeah, I would just be very clear with it, right? The people who are never taking transit again. I would just make content about people like disgusting things that happen on public transit, right? And like, how do you like that? How do you know who touched that? You know, who touches that seat back last, right? And like, I would just lean all in on the nasty germophobic mentality, and then just take you know the better creative and funny creative you can make around that. It's not going to take long. The best marketing gets people nodding their head. Right. So if you can identify that as a market segment, you just go all in, whether it's memes and funny content, but really driving home to the point where like, I, I'm never taking that train again. Right. So it's like never taking that train again, question mark. And they were like, no, I'm not. And you're like, great. We have the perfect commuter car for you. <laughs> well, I mean, seriously, I think that's what a lot of people are going to have to start, start thinking about or are sure. thinking about right now. Dane, for yourself, what do you think about that new segment? Yeah, I mean, that's why Paul's the master of branding with automotive. I mean, that's just, I, I love that. You know, what I would do is, you know, I, I would, you know, with, with these buyers and, and, and Jason, I can't remember the article who wrote it, but there was a major publication that came out with the resurgence of the sedan. Like the fa and a family vehicles, and I think that speaks to your point. You think like the smaller one, like the Sentra and the Corolla and Civic and I, stuff yeah, like that. Brian, Brian Benstock has really started talking about this. He talked about it a few weeks ago, and I think somebody took that thought and ran with it. He said wow. it a few weeks ago in the Automotive State of the Union. He mentioned that, and then I think somebody kind of like poured a little yeah, gas on that. The ball and ran with it. Yeah, but that makes. I mean, that makes sense. I, I mean, and I think 
when I, the secondary thing I rely on is reminding people of the value of the of that vehicle. I mean, people that haven't bought a new vehicle in years might not have been paying attention to the innovations and the things that are happening with vehicles. And I think focusing on new safety features, advanced safety features, active safety features, I you know, for SUV buyers or for gas mileage for for sedans and coupes. I think there are different selling props that to the average consumer might be like, eh, but to somebody who hasn't bought a car in 12, 13 years, some of these innovations wow. are remarkable because yeah. I mean, like I, I was referring to buying, you know, buying that car just three weeks ago. The car my fiance and I were driving was a 2007 RAV4 that you couldn't even have a remote lock. So to her, to her, the idea yeah. that you could remote start your vehicle was like, to me, it was nothing. I'm like, of course you have that. She was like, I can start my car with a remote. I was like, with a fob. I was like, yes, yes, you can. But that's because, I mean, she's had a 2007 RAV4 since 2007. And nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy, insight. man. I think there's a lot of people out there that are going to be in that exact same boat. Hey guys, um, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our conversation today, and I know from a marketing perspective and a branding perspective, we could probably go at this all day long. Um, but you know, before we before we kind of end our conversation, I get to ask one of my favorite questions, and uh, I, I can see Dane's eyes opening up because he knows what's coming. <laughs> and I just I, I think I can Photoshop a wrestling costume on him. I think I'm going to try to do that. Nacho we'll Libre. Yes, Lucha, luchador, yes. all the yes. way, luchador. That's exactly what it should be. <laughs> hey, Dane, I get to ask you my favorite question of the day. What is pissing Dane Seville off? As a person, politics <laughs> invading LinkedIn. I go to LinkedIn to not have to see politics. Oh, Leave that true. shit on Facebook. Like, please, for the love of God, that's what's pissing Dane Seville off. That's a good one, actually. That's really good. All right, Mr. Paul J. Daly. I don't up. know. I What's haven't seen a lot off, of political man? stuff, so I don't know. Maybe it's just Dane's search intent is what's like <laughs> driving his LinkedIn algorithm. The algorithm's uh, driving people yeah, to piss Yeah, they're like, you know what? <laughs> I know how we up. can get them. Let's really fire them up. Jason, that's probably the hardest question anybody could ever ask me because you told me you are going to ask me this. And I, I'm trying to think of something right now. Um, I literally can't tell you one thing <laughs> that I'm pissed off about. I had an immediate answer, and Paul has no answer. Come Make on. I know. That's exactly Dan, what I expected. Dane's pissed off again. Like Dane's like, Paul not, not having anything. Now. Paul J. Daly not being pissed off. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there we go. Paul J. Daly is pissed <laughs> off that Dane can so easily get pissed off. <laughs> yeah. No, but that doesn't piss me off either. <laughs> all right fine for the whole world to know nothing pisses paul j daily off that's not true just nothing right now my inner dialogue is a lot different than my external dialogue fair enough fair enough hey guys uh for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now and would love to connect with you two fine gentlemen all right what is the best way to do so dane i'll start with you of course on linkedin just don't bring the politics to that uh... <laughs> no, linkedin uh, reunion Marketing, like Reunite, ReunionMarketing.com. Dane, D-A-N-E, at ReunionMarketing.com is my email. So reach out through any of those mediums. Awesome. Hey, uh, Paul, for yourself, what is the best way to connect with you, sir? Uh, I would just say go to my website. It's PaulJDaily, D-A-L-Y.com, PaulJDaily.com. That has linked to all my social profiles. And I put out a weekly podcast called Clarity Compressed on Spotify, iTunes, wherever. And that's kind of my best effort every week, the Clarity Compressed Podcast. 
It's a great podcast. Everyone listening, it's actually a mandate. If you listen to me, you have to go subscribe to that. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> hey, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you, Jason. You guys have a good one. I'll see you. Gonna go find something to get pissed off about. <laughs> <laughs> good, go do that. I gotta go cool off now. <laughs>